Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing, do I need help healing? Do I need therapy? This is a big question. Do I need a coach? Do I need a massage therapist? Do I need meds? Do I need a support group? These are difficult questions, I think, because of the word need. Because in actuality, all we really need is air to breathe. We need water to hydrate. We need food. We need shelter. And we need at least some touch. A better question than do I need might be, am I surviving or thriving? That's a totally different question with a completely different vibration. That need word really shuts us down. Can you feel that? Our system goes, no, no, it's not something that I need. And we push it off. When we instead ask ourselves, am I surviving or thriving? And where am I on that continuum? We can better see what kind of help we may bring in if we so decide to bring some in. I think of two people swimming towards land after a shipwreck. Let's say one is a really strong swimmer. This person has had swimming lessons. Maybe they were on swim team when they were in high school. They know how to pace. They know how to use their arms and legs. They know different strokes. They know how to coordinate movement and breath. Their bodies have muscle memory and form. Now, another person who barely knows how to swim, they might be able to make it to land. And if they both make it to land, we may say, well... There's the proof they didn't really need any help, did they? Neither one of them did. The strong swimmer made it, and the not-so-strong swimmer, the novice swimmer, made it too. But let's say the weaker swimmer goes down, drowns. Well, only then can we say with any real confidence, well, yeah, guess that person did need help that they didn't get, and the proof that we have is because they drowned. The crazy thing to think about is that Even an excellent swimmer, swimming for land after a shipwreck, might not make it either, especially if the water gets choppy, especially if that person sustained some kind of injury as the ship was going down. What if there's shark-infested waters to swim through and the injury is bleeding? What if there's sharp coral closer to the shore? On any given day, in any given moment, the conditions 
above the water and below the water and the conditions inside of that swimmer might be vastly different. What if life has so much to do with getting help, with asking for help, with receiving help, with allowing help, when we get to bring in help? It's one of the empowerments that's available to us as an adult, very different than what was available to us when we were children, that we have the choice. We get to bring in help, and that help might not be perfect. It might not be ideal. It might not be in our control to receive it, to get that help in exactly the way that we want. But this is the opportunity available to us as adults that's so different than our childhoods, that we are in charge now of the help that we decide that we bring in or not. In my life now, I am very open to help despite being in a healthier, more stable, more grounded, awesome place that my younger self didn't even think I could get to. I'm a seeker of help with more swiftness. I'll go there quickly. With more ease. In part, this is available to me as just part of how I live, part of my practice, part of my living because I'm older. I'm knock on wood, wiser. I hope all of us get wiser with every month and every year that we get more and more experience to teach us, to guide us. I've also done intentional work to separate guilt or shame from the entire concept of receiving help, which means I've done work to heal the hyper-independence I developed to survive my childhood and my young adulthood. Many of us do this when we come from dysfunctional homes. We figure out that asking for help brings shame, it brings judgment, it brings criticism. And so we can't stand that at a point, especially if we're raw, if we're depressed, if we're in survivorship. So we learn for the sake of survival to push even the possibility of help away, finding safety and security in hyper-independence. But I don't need that hyper-independence anymore. I needed that while I was surviving, but it's no longer part of me living and thriving. And I wonder how much of the earlier help I received, even when I was fighting it, even when I felt guilty or shameful or what's wrong with me that I need this help and other people around me don't, I wonder how much of that help that I even fought as I was getting it outside of myself and inside of myself helped me get to the state of thriving. And if you are surviving out there, I know that desperately inside of you, what you most want is to put down that surviving and be able to know what it is, what it is to feel, what it is to do, what it is to be in thriving. So I'm going to use a list from Susan Forward's book. It's one of my favorite books. It's definitely on the list if you're on the Patreon. Toxic Parents, Overcoming Their Hurtful Legacy and Reclaiming Your Life by Susan Forward, F-O-R-W-A-R-D. And if you are struggling, if you resonate with me and you resonate with Emotional Badass, just go out there and read everything Susan Forward has ever done. And I'm going to use the inspiration of her work in this list to explore. I hope to shine some light on what therapy can actually do to help 
so that you may have more information to help yourself with the very important decisions of how to get help, who to get help from, what help to get, when to get it, where to get it, and how long to bring in that help. To this day, one of the most popular episodes that we have ever done is how to find a healthy healer from the first few months of doing the show. It's very important that we find help that resonates with who we are and how we want to be. All right, getting into this list. Number one, you have deep-seated feelings of unworthiness, guilt, and shame. So y'all, I wish it wasn't true. But if we grew up with a lot of dysfunction, a lot of chaos, a lot of instability, a lot of immaturity in our parenting, then a sad truth is that our parents, even if they loved us very, very much, they may not have known how to teach us or show us what it is to grow with self-worth. And when our parents are reactive, you know, if I did anything, if I knocked over a glass of water, if I tripped, um, if I needed $5 for something at school, my mother's reaction to me was that I was a pain in the ass. I was something that she had to do. I was something that took away from her. If she spent money on what I needed, she didn't have money for cigarettes. And she let me know that. In dynamics like that, there is no way that a sensitive, observant child, especially, is not going to pick up feelings of less than worthy. I felt guilty for existing, for taking up space, for needing anything. Guilt is about something we do, something we ask for. I would feel guilty about asking for money for a field trip or money for a snack or anything. But over time, that guilt about this one moment, this one thing that I asked or this reaction that my mother had, over time becomes shame about who I was. And this is universal. It's not unique to me. So if you grew up without enough stability, then what a therapist, a good fit therapist, a skilled therapist, an artful therapist does is helps you grow into your worthiness and figure out what that is for you. A good therapist helps you let go of that guilt that makes us all feel anxious. My people who say they have generalized anxiety, sure, of course you check all those boxes. But if you also were raised to feel guilty about existing and taking up space, then going into a room full of people will feel like an invitation to go into hell. Because that's just the space where you learned how to feel shame. This is what a good therapist helps with. Number two from Susan Forward's list, Why Do I Need Therapy? Page 261 in her book, Toxic Parents. You are easily used and exploited by others. Now that's a confronting statement. When I read that today, I'm so relieved that I have learned how to not let myself be used by others. Growing up in dynamics that are less than stable make us compensate. We have to find ways for people to smile at us, to light up for us. Those of you who have already done the boundaries course, does that ring some bells? It's very important to light up for ourselves and for each other. In dysfunctional homes, I can make the argument that not enough right lighting up happens. 
in homes with childhood sexual abuse, there might be a lighting up in very wrong moments of abuse. So a good fit therapist, especially one who is artful and specializes in healing trauma, very much helps you understand your worth. And from that worthiness, you will no longer allow yourself to be easily used. And for highly sensitive people, this is a big piece of work because we tend to be very generous in spirit, not just in a people-pleasing way. It's not all from trauma. Good people are generous. Good people are helpful. Good people want to lend a helping hand and extend themselves for other people in the human condition. That's a beautiful part of who I am and who I suspect many of you are out there in the world in respect of your own inner child. And if you have had a life where you can recognize I have been easily used and exploited by others, then know that this is what good therapy can do for you and that it's part of your task to find those boundaries to work into those boundaries. Because you can look out in the world. I wish it was different. I wish I could say to you with great confidence that, wow, we are just getting healthier as a people. And one day people are just going to be so healthy and so boundaried that they're not going to use and abuse other people. That is not our reality right now. So we get to have more healing and more wholeness and more self-respect as a very important part of our self-care. Number three, you believe that everybody else is more important than you are. This may be a sneaky culprit that keeps people away from ever trying therapy or doing the work to find a good fit therapist. In dysfunctional homes, the parent's dysfunction tends to take precedent. Needs for the children go to the wayside. So if you grew up in such a way You can't possibly know your worth. Therefore, you have learned that other people, other people's needs, other people's desires are more important than yours. A good fit therapist helps you find the space that you get to take up and then hold your line. It helps you sort of stand up for yourself with head held high, knowing that you are important. In my own journey, when I started As a very young adult, when money was very tight, paying out of pocket for counseling, and early on, a lot of it was bad counseling, it made me very angry to spend my hard-earned money when I was sacrificing really hard for it to get subpar, mediocre, crappy help. That's another sad reality that I wish wasn't true. But when you have been raised that you're not important, I thought my mom getting cigarettes was more important than I was. And then I'm supposed to grow up and drop, especially if I'm coming from poverty, what feels like a whole lot of money on something that might not even work for me. That feels crazy. So that's a big bridge that we have to cross if we don't feel important enough to invest in ourselves, to spend money on ourselves. And that often is part of what's happening in dysfunctional homes, in homes where there's more money. There tends to be control, puppet mastering around money, around things being spent on you. In homes where there's less money and more poverty, there tends to be a strong shame and guilt dynamic. You are wrong and bad if you spend for yourself. And that's understandable. 
Because if you're scraping it together to pay rent, to pay electricity, to pay for food, it can seem, rightly so, like some kind of frivolous luxury of lighting money on fire that what you're just going to sit and chat about your problems. It's a very easy thing to judge and shame. We all come from different cultures. If you're raised in a family with the culture of getting help and going to therapy, going to therapy is a different beast. But if you are raised that you never share your family's secrets, that that's a betrayal, or you're not allowed to go outside of the family, or you're shameful for spending that money, it's a really hard bridge to cross to start a therapeutic process. It is a big reason why I wanted to start Emotional Badass, not just for the therapists out there to find some of their confidence and some of their footing and trying to have a more personal relationship with their clients for the sake of healing, but to talk about the importance of being able to pick somebody that is a really good fit. We need people to help us that get it. And everybody doesn't get all the things, and that's okay. There's some things that I don't get or don't want to get. But we get to find good fit healers to help us cross that bridge so that we can see that our investments can be worth it. And that starts to build a momentum of permission out of seeing that the help is actually worth it because you're worth it. Okay, here's another. Number four, you believe that the only way to get love is by catering to the needs of others at the expense of your own. This is part of why so much of this audience is recovering codependency. If we are under-nurtured, if we are underseen, if we are feeling under-important in our family system, then we compensate for that by learning that the only way we get love is by basically emotionally kissing ass, by catering to the needs of others at the expense of your own. That's part of the balance that we have to strike out in life and learn. How do we be generous people, kind people, giving people? Where is that line between genuinely being that and overfunctioning, becoming a doormat, performing to get acceptance? When is the sacrifice right for our loved ones? And when is the sacrifice wrong? These are the questions that we ask ourselves for a lifetime. They're such a big part of the therapeutic process that it really is parental. I don't think mental health likes owning that. It might freak people out. Just like when I say I genuinely love my clients, it's like, uh-uh, this is supposed to be transactional. Nope, this is a profession. This can be scientifically researched. You're not allowed to love people. That makes us uncomfortable, except this is where so much of our wounding lies. And if our wounding lies in how we were loved, how we were respected, how we were made to feel important, how do we heal that if not in the space of being considered important, of being loved, of being shown a different version, a different perspective of what being loving and kind is? How do we do this if we don't have people to talk to that will help us find that line within ourselves? So that we can respect our generosity and those desires and learn how to not be doormats and be self-respecting for our adult parts just as much as our inner child parts. All right, number five, you have a very difficult time setting limits, expressing anger, or saying no. 
Hello Boundaries course. And no, we don't have it up yet for you to sign up for 2023, but we will have that soon. But this is part of why the two main things I have out for you now are boundaries and about peace. Of course, you get to set limits, but it is quite the process to learn what limits are, how to have them on the inside of you, how to express those limits to another person. And through verbalizing, through coaching, through learning new language by speaking to and listening to a good fit therapist, you grow in the art form of communication to be able from a place of I'm important, therefore I give myself the permission to have limits, then be able to create those limits, those boundaries. And expressing anger, you guys, this is something even in the healthiest of households, I don't think we do a great job of. Anger is one of those feelings. You know, it's a scary feeling. It's a powerful feeling. For passionate people, we can even frighten ourselves with the intensity of our own anger. I kick around the idea of, I haven't done it yet, but I kick around the idea of sharing my victim statement with those on the Patreon. I haven't done that yet. Not sure if I'm going to do it like that, but I kick around that idea. It is such an expression of my anger. And it was very hard for me to write because all I wanted to do was show my abuser that I was okay despite him. But that's not what that letter was about. That's not what that moment was about. It wasn't about me telling him, hey, I'm okay despite you. It was there to tell him the impact of what he did on me, what he did to me, what he did to my family system, and what he can never undo. It was a permission to express my anger, and boy, did I. Part of why it's so hard to express anger is because that critical voice will show up and shame us up and down. An artful therapist is working on all of these things I'm talking about all at the same time. There's so much more going on when you sit for that 50-minute session with a well-qualified artful therapist and healer or coach. Because just like children growing, we don't get the luxury of pulling these things apart and just working on one thing at a time. Life is coming at us. We are making decisions. We are living life. We are moving forward while we do our healing work. Life will not stop for us. That may be part of what ultimately can give you permission to allow some help. Maybe if life would come to a full stop and you could go off for six months or a year and just focus on self, yeah, maybe you wouldn't need so much help. But to be able to manage everyday life while healing is going on in the background, wow. Saying no is a very, very important part of healing, especially if you were abused as a child. If you had a narcissistic parent as a child, this is exceptionally difficult as well. You get to say no. And a good fit trauma therapist encourages you to do so. When I work with people, I very much encourage, hey, disagree with me. Say you don't like something I said, but don't go into your patterns of shutting down or people pleasing or saying something's wrong with you because you have a different opinion. It's okay and it's safe to have a different opinion. We can disagree and we can do that respectfully. If we can't do that in the therapeutic process, how are people to learn that who come from families? 
that frankly have never seen people agree to disagree with respect. It's one of the things that almost universally misses in a dysfunctional family. If there's enough dysfunction, we might not ever see a proper apology, even a proper, hey, I don't know. I'm not the all-knower of all things. I don't know. I'm going to have to find out because I don't know, and it's okay to not know things. So sometimes very basic things like I'm naming miss us for a lifetime, and we reparent ourselves through the example of that good fit therapist. And we take that example as it plays out in front of us and we tuck it into our hearts. We tuck it into our psyches. Number six, you draw cruel or abusive people into your life and are convinced that you can get them to love you or be nice to you. So far on this list, this was probably one of the hardest things for me to learn and the thing I needed the most help with. I had had a lot of cruelty around me. I'd had a lot of love too growing up. And so many of my clients do. I think it's such a, maybe it's like a movie mystification that we think that an abusive home is cold and dark and never warm. Those exist too. But more often than not, that pendulum swings. Dysfunctional families can be so much fun. They can have killer senses of humor. And when they are in their charming parts, my goodness, laughter, good food, good get-togethers. And then the pendulum swings to the other side. So in having cruel or abusive people in your life young, it programs us to allow cruel and abusive people when we're older. Healing is reprogramming that. It's one of the sad things that often goes unspoken in mental health. Because if this is what you were primed for, one of the things that happens, and I'm going to name it because I want you to avoid it or I want you to get out of it as quickly as you can if you're in it when you hear me say this, professions that have teaching as spirit draw the most predators to. It's like the Wicked Witch of the West saying, ah, the, the better to manipulate you with, my pretty yoga teachers. Priests, pastors, therapists, doctors, surgeons, people who hold power with mind and body and heart also draw in people who want to manipulate through mind, through body, through heart. So many trauma survivors, because they are sort of primed to partner with cruelty or narcissism, it's been normalized to them, will pick a therapist that has those traits. When you connect with someone that feels right, that is aligned on your path, you feel that. It feels like an exhale. It feels like a, oh, wow, oh, my goodness, they get it. This feels surprisingly good. Yes, 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 yes. And when you feel the opposite, you really feel the opposite. You feel a, ew, no, eh, that's not it. Ugh, I don't want to. Yuck. A good fit therapist helps you listen to those voices with more clarity and lower the volume on that critical voice. Very hard to hear your intuition if the critical voice is gnawing away at you. You're not running away and you're not quitting therapy if your gut says, this is not my person, they don't get it in the way that I need them to get it. Now also, if you were on your 20th therapist and you're still saying that, you probably need to stick with one who doesn't feel icky but might not be the end-all be-all in everything and learn what you need to learn from them 
and get them to help you find a better fit therapist. If they're good at what they do, they won't be offended that you want help finding a better fit. They'll be glad to. The part of this number six that says, and you're convinced that you can get them to love you or be nice to you when they've been cruel or abusive. I used my determination to hurt myself in this way for many years of my younger life. I beat my head against the wall. I was determined to not have other people abandon me. I was determined to not have to leave other people. They would love me, damn it, if I just figured out the right combination of words to say, then damn it, this would this would work. It had to work. The problem with beating my head against the wall is that it left my head injured. The other person kept doing what they were doing every time. Again, here's a boundaries course reference. I can't help myself. We talk in that course about dysfunctional hope. When we have been so taught in our society to have constant hope, somehow highly sensitive people manipulate themselves. The saying is, yes, we need to give second chances. And somehow highly sensitive people give infinity chances. And every time I say that in the course, the entire course is like, oh, that's me. I've done that. I've done that. So we are learning to really see the pink and red flags and deal with them instead of mystifying and denying that those flags exist, confusing ourselves, beating our own head against the wall. It's good to be hopeful, not great to be dysfunctionally hopeful. I don't want to stick my head underwater and just hope my lungs will be able to make the water into air. We have to be wiser than just painting everything with a big old hope brush. All right, I'm going to do one more. And then we're going to do the rest in our exclusive Patreon episodes. If you're interested in hearing more, I will tell you where you can find more. Here's the last one I'm going to go over today. Number seven, you find it difficult to trust and you expect people to betray you or hurt you. This is in Susan Forward's list, Why Do I Need Therapy? in the book Toxic Parents. You find it difficult to trust. And you expect people to betray or hurt you. Yep, that's what betrayal teaches. When your home life growing up is not a soft place to fall. When you are betrayed by the people that brought you into the world. Of course you're going to have a hard time trusting. I am not okay with the idea of just hunkering down and doing this life without trusting people. We are biologically wired to be tribal, to need each other, to need touch. Believe it or not, trusting other people is not the goal. I say it a lot to my individual clients about my own husband that I love and trust beyond anybody else on this earth. But the truth is, we don't have control over other people. Other people can develop a drug problem. Other people can develop a process addiction that changes their personality and their priorities. People can get head injuries. Their personalities can change. It's not really about trusting other people. What has been such a healer for me is in understanding this about trust. I just need to trust me. And when you trust yourself to disallow yourself to ever be abused again, there is nothing more powerful than that. And from that self-trust, There's a solidity, a solidity. 
there's a security that is indescribable in words. I'm good at words, you guys. I don't think that I can describe it to you. It is the most satisfying feeling I think I have ever felt because it makes me free. These cycles of trauma repetition, of doing what we've known, have an end. And that end feels and looks like you trusting yourself. Because the truth is, and this is hard to admit when you have let dysfunctional hope and confusion overtake your gut, but the truth is that all you really need to do is trust you. That you know what a pink flag is and a red flag is, and you do, you always have. You just didn't know how to deal with them. You didn't know that you could. You didn't know that it was right to do so. So from permission to actually deal with pink and red flags, to no longer sweep them under the rug, to no longer use them, to make yourself so confused that you just stick around and let yourself be used and abused, when your inner child trusts grown-up you, To say, oh, hell no, that is not how we live anymore. I am so sorry, sweet inner child, that it has taken me so long to learn that it comes down to me and I am the one that will either allow it or disallow it and I will never allow someone to abuse me again. That is quite the paradigm shift. That is an ownership over your life that will change your life in ways you cannot even imagine when you're making that decision. Because it's a decision. When I look at any client I have ever worked with and say, you absolutely do know. You might not have known when you were little, but you know now. You really do. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. You know. Is that going to work for you? Is that something you need to do or something you need to walk away from? And we know. It is something I know to be true from the tips of my toes to the tips of my hair. We just don't like dealing with that truth. Like the old cliche says, the truth really does set us free. And that's what helps us trust ourselves. And that is everything in healing. If you want to hear me complete this list, come find me at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love. And I'll see you right here next time for a brand new episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.